welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to tell you about some weird internet stuff. Before I begin this doozy of an episode, I wanted to let you know that a new episode of Historic Hangouts, a fun casual show I do with my husband, is out now. It's called Jerk and Soda at Schwab's Pharmacy. It's a lot of fun. Go listen. As is the new Spanish language version of Scare You to Sleep, Dormir o Morir, which was trending at number two in fiction podcasts. Thank you so much to all of you who have listened. It came out Monday, and if you want a sneak peek, there is one currently on the channel right before this episode as a little bonus episode. I also want to thank the Zoning Out podcast and Frank Bonacci for having me on to interview me. That interview is up now and we talk fan fiction, Anne Rice smut, Rotten.com, and so much more. It was such a fun interview. That's the Zoning Out podcast, which is also part of the Bloody FM network, and that interview is out now. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. This week is kind of a Reddit grab bag. I know it's been a while since I've done a dark Reddit episode, and so so many of you have messaged me about it, so I wanted to give the people what they want, and I thought it would be fun to just throw some random bits of weird at you. (laughs) It's Friday. Couldn't we all use a night of relaxation and random bits of weird? I know I can. Well, buckle up. And here we go. All of the following posts are from a variety of different subreddits and are all from now deleted accounts. This was posted five years ago. Fire slash EMS here. This is not my story. It happened on a different shift. But my captain, working overtime with us one day, told it to us, and it creeped me out. The captain was on the first due engine company that was dispatched to a residential fire alarm in the middle of the night. Our dispatch protocols require us to send the first due unit emergency to a fire alarm, while the second due engine and ladder company respond routine. We go to tons of fire alarms and 99% of the time, they are caused by a faulty system or burnt food, so we usually don't get too worked up over them. Anyways, as they approach the neighborhood, they see the orange glow in the distance, and when they get on the scene, they find a 4,000 square foot house with heavy fire showing on the rear and that is already broken through the roof. The call was then upgraded to a working structure fire and more units were dispatched to assist. The captain of the first due stayed on the outside the whole time. He was incident commander until the first battalion chief arrived on scene and took over, and then he assumed the safety role. So he's on the outside, in radio contact with crews that are inside, fighting the fire. After the bulk of the fire had been extinguished and as operations were winding down, the captain sees smoke inside a second-story window and asked crews inside to go inside the room on the B and C corner to make sure the fire hadn't spread to the other side of the house. The crews search for a few minutes and radio back. There's no room there, sir. The captain is a bit confused as he is staring at what is clearly a window that is attached to a room of some sort. 
He relays detailed instructions of where the room should be to the crews inside, and they again advise that they can't find anything. Incredulous, the captain asks the incident commander for permission to go inside of the structure so that he can show the interior crews exactly where the room in question is. His request is granted, and he goes inside, walks up the staircase, and walks toward the corner in question. There's no room there, just a hallway with a corner, no doorway, no window, no room. Knowing that there has to be something behind the wall, they breach the drywall and crawl through to find a child's bedroom. The bedroom had a dresser, a desk, and a perfectly made bed that looked as if it hadn't been disturbed in years. For whatever reason, the owners of the home decided to wall off the bedroom and leave it just as it was, untouched and unaccessible. The captain said it was one of the strangest and eeriest things he had seen in a while. Posted four years ago. I get sleep paralysis occasionally. It usually feels like someone has me by the throat and is pushing me into the bed. I've never seen the crazy demon that people talk about seeing, though. Mind you, I did see someone who looked exactly like myself, sitting on the edge of the bed during an episode one night that I'd fallen asleep with the lights on. I couldn't really make out her face, although I could tell she was concerned, almost, and she was wearing one of my favorite t-shirts that I'd owned for over 12 years. I don't really wear that t-shirt anymore because of it. This is just me, Shelby, interjecting with my own thoughts. Doppelganger stories are some of the scariest to me, and I've seen so many people, I've met so many people who otherwise don't really have any interest in the paranormal or really believe in anything of the sort, but they'll have some story about seeing a doppelganger. It's usually of someone else in their family. I've heard a lot of father stories of doppelgangers, um, a lot of father and mother stories, occasionally siblings, but it's usually mothers and fathers, and this one really got to me because as scary as the parental ones can be, what is it like to see yourself? Even if this was a dream, this is a type of dream that would mess me up for sure. Anyway, on to the next. This was submitted three years ago. 1985, my ex-wife and I were sleeping. There was a small sliver of light coming in through the window from a street light, so the room and bed were dimly visible. Our black Pomeranian was at the end of the bed, asleep. I dreamt that I woke up, reached down to pet him, and he turned into a glossy black bivalve oyster thing that opened up to reveal rows of gleaming glass teeth. I woke up to my ex, backpedaling up the bed over the pillows toward the wall. I asked, what's wrong? She said, what is that shiny black clam thing with the teeth at the end of the bed? Where's the dog? We had had the same nightmare at the same time. 
This still gives me a chill. By the way, there was a pretty funny comment in reply to this, and it said, Sorry about your haunted dog. (laughs) Submitted four years ago. This might get a little buried, but I'll share it anyway. So, two weeks before we moved, my dad and I toured a house, and I noticed this guy was painting a water heater, which I thought was weird as fuck, but... I was like 10, so whatever. Anyway, we moved in on a Wednesday, and my parents let me stay home from school until the following Monday, and preoccupied me with coloring books and a new dollhouse. In my brand new crayons pack, there literally wasn't a blue crayon. Like, it was a 64 pack, but there were only 63 crayons in it. One day, I went downstairs into the basement, and my blue crayon was next to the hot water heater and scribbled on it. It said, Hi, redacted, Kevin. I was so confused. I started school and my new classmates were like, Oh my God, do you live in Kevin's house? Your house is going to be haunted. It turned out that Kevin was a little eight-year-old boy that lived in our house prior to us and he got hit by a car in the front yard. He would write notes if you left out a pen and paper, open and close doors, adjust the thermostat, the kind where you had to turn a knob, and always turn on Christmas music when it was that time of year, smiley face. We had a swing set in the backyard, and even on the hottest, calmest days of summer, only the left swing would be moving back and forth. We had this dumb cat that I would lock in my bedroom at night and every morning, My parents would open the door and let him out, then close it back. One night I woke up and the cat was meowing at the door and it woke me up. But the door opened and the cat hissed and ran out really fast. I asked my mom the next morning why they didn't close my door and they said they didn't open it. The last story is when I was very upset and nearly suicidal one year during Christmas break. The police just randomly showed up at my house. The policeman said he was patrolling our neighborhood and felt like something was wrong at our house. I'm absolutely certain Kevin had something to do with it. Submitted four years ago. We live in a haunted pub on the site of a former Catholic abbey that Henry VIII had destroyed. We saw some weird shit. The weirdest was the insecticutor in the kitchen, Something peeled it apart in the night. No sign of a break-in. All the doors were locked and alarms set. It wasn't smashed. Not an explosion. The metal was peeled outwards. A couple months later, we had an incident in the cellar. The entire pump system blew up, ruining 1,000 pounds of beer. The engineers could not find the cause of the fault and just replaced the system. There were other incidents, people captured on CCTV that weren't there, the underfloor cellar door slamming, the pub Furby talking in the middle of the night, and many more things that would be slightly odd out of context. Well, your first problem is having a pub Furby, and on to the next. Submitted five years ago, and edited five years ago. Oh, and this was on an Ask Reddit specifically asking about law enforcement officers, which explains the first couple sentences. 
When I was 19 to 21, I was employed as a security enforcement officer through a local private investigator firm. I know I wasn't technically the LE you're asking for, but I've always wanted some place to share this story. I spent a 12 p.m. to 12 a.m. shift at an upscale theater, and then my boss called me and told me I was assigned to a YMCA construction site that everyone kept calling out from. The sooner I could come in, the better, he said. So, after working 12 hours at the theater, I spent another 3 p.m. to 8 a.m. at that site. By the time I arrived home, it was around 9.30 and I was so tired I could barely keep my eyes open. But I received a phone call. It was my brother. His birthday was that day and I had completely forgotten about it. My whole family and I went shopping around and then ate at a restaurant about 45 minutes from my house. At around 1pm, I told them I had to leave because I just couldn't keep my eyes open. As I was driving home, no amount of music or driving with the windows down would keep my eyes open. I started drifting into the opposite lane of traffic. I decided it was best if I pull over. I look around and there was an ice cream shop. So I stopped in. It was a weird place for it to be because the highway I was driving on was a smaller country highway and it was on the outskirts of town. So an odd place to put a shop that would seem to rely on foot traffic. There was a woman out front asking if I had stopped for ice cream. I didn't want to be a dick and tell her I just wanted a nap, so I said yes. I went inside and it was rather junky. It looked like they had bought furniture from old barbecue restaurants and threw it at random in the building. The same woman was now behind the counter. I said I wanted two scoops of chocolate on a cone and pulled out my bank's debit card. We don't take cards here, she said. She handed me the ice cream cone. I dug around in my pockets and went back to my truck for change. I never keep anything but a debit card on me. But I found about 50 cents and I gave it to her. She said the price was $1.80, but that'll do. I didn't know what else to do because I was half asleep and she had given me the ice cream cone already, despite the fact that I was attempting to pay with a debit card as she was making it. I said thanks and walked outside to stand and eat it. I'm a pig when I eat, so by the time I made it to my truck, I had some already on my face and uniform. Before I could make it to my truck, the woman walks outside to talk to me. You look troubled, she said, but whatever you're going through, you'll be fine. I get in my truck and leave this, I'm now assuming, batshit crazy ice cream vendor. I get home and fall asleep. The next day, I'm getting my uniform ready when I see chocolate ice cream on my uniform shirt. The ice cream shop wasn't that far away from my house, so I felt I should go pay her what I owed. I pulled up to the building, but it was locked. The building was empty, and there was a sheet of dust caked over the doors like no one had touched them in years. That was one of my favorites I found this week. In fact, it definitely reminds me and probably reminds some of you of one of my favorite time slip stories, or whatever you would call it, the um, story of the two people who stopped in at that bar in the middle of nowhere, 
if you haven't heard it, it's I believe it's on the time slips episode I did. If not, it's somewhere buried in my uh, whole thing. I'll look it up to see if I can find the name of how to get to it because it's the craziest story. These two people were on a road trip. They stopped in at a bar to grab a drink, I think probably just a rest or whatever. And the bar was full of people. And I don't remember if they came back later or what happened, but basically all the people in the bar, there were these murals on the wall of like people, like a honky tonk type thing. And they noticed the people in the bar looked like the people in the murals. And they had a similar thing where when they came back, this place had been closed for years. There's no way they had been having a drink in this bar like the night before. Oh, I have chills just thinking about it. Anyway, (laughs) let's move on shall we? Submitted four years ago. I was around 16 when this happened. I happened to lay in bed reading something. The room at first would feel normal. Then it started to feel really icy. Not that the room got cold, but just the feeling it gave me, if that makes sense. It felt really uncomfortable. Next, it would feel as if something slash somebody just stared at you. There wasn't anyone there, nor did I see a thing, but just the feeling that something looked at you hate-filled was enough for me. Often I got the feeling, leave the room. So I did, and then just played a video game of some sort. The thing had left the room after about an hour or so. This happened about three times. In the same home, flat really, three other things happened that were weird. The first was a shadow person sneaking along the walls of my bedroom during the day. Second, we had a dog, a small one, named DJ, think something along the size of a fox terrier and you've got it. One day I come home to collect something from my room. It was during the day and DJ followed me in. I heard a deep growling from under the bed. At first I thought, must have been the dog. But I already knew that DJ wasn't capable of making this deep of a noise. It sounded either like a really big dog or a man doing his best and kind of scary growling impression. This happened only once, but the experience just stuck with me. Another weird thing with the dog was the time that he was afraid to come to the living room Next to my bedroom, there was a small room we used as the computer room. DJ was in there at the time, and I heard him whimpering and pacing, even growling lowly at this thing that was in the hallway. I called him, but he didn't budge. I had to come and pick him up and remove him from the room. Submitted five years ago, and edited five years ago. This is a good supernatural slash paranormal story rather than a creepy one. I'm a detective and spent some time as an expert on sex crimes and crimes against children. It was the best slash worst assignment I've had. One case I had came in at midnight. A young woman with a toddler comes into one of the precincts to report her ex-boyfriend raped her during a custody argument. Long story short, It was legit one of the most violent and sadistic cases I've ever had, so I'll spare the gruesome details. I still have no idea how this woman made her way to a precinct with a toddler. 
part of the investigation requires me to talk to the toddler. Victim said the toddler was present for everything. I'm a child forensic interviewer as well. During the interview, the toddler recalls their father becoming angry and hitting the mom. Then, the toddler said that the nice woman showed up and she couldn't see past the nice woman. The nice woman held her and told her that they were both going to be safe and sang her a song in a different language. The toddler said the nice woman went over to the front door and knocked on the door. Then, the nice woman helped them and their mom to the car before flying away. In the victim's interview, she said that her ex-boyfriend had a knife to her throat and put it to the skin to cut her throat open, but he got distracted for some reason, then ran out of the apartment. She had no explanation why. The suspect was caught about eight hours later. He confessed to absolutely everything. When I asked him about the knife to the throat, he said this. I swear to God I was going to cut the bitch's throat open, but I thought I heard a knock at the door and thought it was the police. Once I saw it was clear, I ran outside. He is now serving life in prison, and the mom and toddler are safe and doing well. I'd love to know more about the nice woman. Edit. Wow, this blew up. I'm going to answer a few of the questions here and then turn my phone off so I don't waste a rare day off talking about work. Number one, yes, this is a real account of an interview I did. I feel comfortable sharing it because I'm protecting the identity of the victim and the case has been adjudicated. It's technically public information, but an FOIA request could both confirm this account and take away anonymity for the victim. I'll leave the details where they are. Number two, I'd love to know more and would have loved to ask more questions, but a rule about child forensic interviewing is that the interviewer cannot introduce any information that the child hasn't introduced themselves. This is to reduce suggestibility. Open-ended questions did not reveal any further details. Number three, there is a rational explanation that children in crisis develop alternative narratives to cope with trauma. You can decide. I'd love to know what you think, listeners. Do you think that there was a nice woman who helped this toddler and her mother and then flew away? Or was it the latter, a child in crisis developing alternative narratives to cope with trauma? I'd love to hear about it. Let me know on social media. Submitted two years ago. When I was 14 or so, I came home from school one day and went to the kitchen to make myself a snack. I opened up the cutlery drawer and the forks were slightly different. The tines were a subtle yet distinctly different design than the forks we had always had. I asked my parents when they got home when we got new silverware. They said, those were the same forks we've always had. I had been using those forks all my life. I knew that these ones were not the same and was adamant. My dad just shrugged and said, The tines, they are a changin'. <laughs> I swear that I must have sidestepped into a parallel universe that day, where the only noticeable thing that was different in that timeline was that my folks bought a different set of forks, which is about the lamest story of interdimensional travel possible. I had to add that one in. That one was so funny to me, and I feel like... I feel like this is something I have experienced where something is just a little bit different. Recently, I told my parents a story, not even a story, I, I was 
reminding them of something they had told me when I was younger. And it was, it had to do with like medical stuff. So I'm not going to get into it, but it, (laughs) it was something that I have had in my mind. I swear, since I was a kid, like this wasn't even a story necessarily. It was information that had been relayed to me by them. And again, it was of a medical nature and they had no idea what I was talking about. And this is something I've shared with other people. Not that I'm trying to like, you know, a HIPAA my parents, but it was just something that had come up in conversations with friends about that was relatable, you know? And so this is something I have not just had in my mind, but I have talked about (laughs) over the course of my life. And I, again, I brought it up to my parents pretty recently. If they're listening to this, they're still going to have no idea what I'm talking about. And they were like, that never happened. That just didn't happen. That didn't happen. And like, (laughs) I I still have no idea. I wish I could tell more information, but it, I, I don't know if I had a dream when I was a kid and I thought of it as like something that actually happened. I don't know. It's so bizarre, but this reminded me of that. And I feel like this is the way a lot of us experience our glitches in the matrix is just some forks and the tines being a little bit different. (laughs) I love the dad, by the way. I love that he just rolled with it with a joke. What a dad, what a, what a good dad. (laughs) Submitted three years ago and edited three years ago. I once clocked out of work at 6pm, like I always did at the time, and began my hour-long train ride home. After I had found a seat, I went to sleep and woke up just before my station. From the station, it is a short bus journey, 10-15 to minutes, to reach home. During the entire journey, I didn't use my phone and I don't wear a watch, so I didn't really notice the time anywhere. When I reached home, my family surprised me with You're home early. Everything all right? I looked at the wall clock, and it was about to be 6 p.m. I was too shocked to understand what happened. Checked other watches, cell phones, etc., and the time is absolutely right. A few days later, the admin emailed us the timesheets for the month, times clocking in and out, and every single day for me was around the same, 6 p.m., so it certainly wasn't me having left work early. To this day, I haven't figured out how I gained between 60 to 90 minutes that day. Edit. This is the most common theory in the comments, seems to be daylight savings time, and I have considered it before. The problem is that it should work for both time in and time out, and if I remember the time in was the same as always, and I didn't leave my home early for work, If I remember right, it also wasn't a Monday, which is when the clock reset effects come through at work, despite the changes going in on Sunday. Oh, those of you who have listened to this show for a while know that I loved that one. I love time slips. They fascinate me to no end. So many people have stories of them. So many people have lost time. And where did it go? Where do you go when you lose time? Where do we go? What happens? I mean, I'm fully willing to admit it could be some sort of scientific thing that has to do with our brains, but what happens on those times like this where other people notice? Why did his family think he was home early or they were home early? I guess I don't know the gender of this person, but when they were home early, why? what happens during those times? 
Ugh, fascinating. Let's move on. Submitted two years ago. I was 13 or 14 and home alone. My childhood house was built in the 1800s, so really big rooms, really tall ceilings, and huge pocket doors. Anyway, our computer desk was situated so that your back was to two pocket doors, which meant the huge foyer and dining rooms were open behind you. If you're like me and liminal space freaks you out, it was rough. So I'm chatting on AIM and my dog is laying next to the computer chair. Most of the lights are off, except for the room I'm in. That means the huge rooms behind me were almost pitch black. I don't have the TV or any music on, but all of a sudden, I hear a childlike voice call my dog's name. I froze. My dog sat up in attention. He didn't leave my side, but he definitely heard it too. I was horrified, and all I could think to do was stare straight ahead at the computer until my dad got home and turned on the lights. This was submitted four years ago. I live in Spokane, which is about 45 minutes away from Coeur d'Alene. I was driving back from my aunt's in the dark one night and just hit a massive wall of fog. I turned the corner, and a whole herd of deer come running down the road toward me. I slow down a lot so I don't hit them. Then, after another few seconds, I see a woman standing in the street facing away from me with dirty clothes. The area I was in was known to have meth heads and heroin addicts, so I cracked the window and called out to her and asked if she needed to call anyone. As soon as I spoke to her, her head whipped around and it looked like she was a burn victim. Huge, lidless eyes, no eyebrows, Voldemort nose, and a mouth that looked like it was melted or sewn up or something. Then she ran off into the woods, and I drove a lot faster than I should have home. Creepy, and this next one has very similar vibes, so I kind of lumped them together. Submitted five years ago. My brother is a deputy, and at the time I worked as an EMT for a few small towns in northeast Colorado. I frequently went on ride-alongs with him while waiting for 911 calls to come in. This took place in Amherst, Colorado. The town is very small. Amherst has about 50 people, a church, some houses, a grain tower, and a park. It was about 3 a.m., and we were about to call it a night. As we were making our last check on Amherst, We noticed movement at the park, but couldn't tell exactly what was going on because it was pitch black. We drove up and stopped alongside the dirt road, flipped on the spotlight, and as we moved the light around the park, it finally settled on the back of a young girl, maybe 13, sitting on a swing with her back facing us. We left the spotlight on her. She wasn't moving. She just sat there, facing away from us, looking down at the ground. Needless to say, it was a very creepy situation. We both looked at each other with that face you would make when something is out of the ordinary. I quickly suggested that we should call her over using the PA system. He agreed. As we looked back over, she was gone. I mean, no signs of anyone anywhere. The park was in a wide open area. She couldn't have gotten out of sight in the amount of time that we had our exchange of words. I remember saying, should we get out and look for her? Maybe she hid behind one of the park toys or something. 
my brother just looked at me and said, hell to the no, and drove away. Still creeps me out to this day. I have to admit, this one kind of bugged me because I think that they should have gone and looked for her, but that's just me. (laughs) I wasn't there, so anyway, moving on. This was submitted five years ago and edited five years ago. When I was pregnant with my second son, I had a very vivid dream. My first son had died in his room. In my dream, I walked into his room and picked him up. I could feel how cold and heavy he was in my arms. I was screaming and screaming, trying to help, but every time I ran through his bedroom door, I'd end up back in his room. I knew I was dreaming, but I couldn't wake up. I suddenly heard someone very clearly say, So-and-so, he's fine. Wake up. And I opened my eyes to see an elderly man standing in my bedroom doorway. He nodded and walked away. I immediately jumped out of bed, still sobbing, and ran through my house, turning on lights, looking for this man. At first I thought it was my uncle who lived upstairs, but my door was still locked. I realized that I did recognize the man. He was always in my dreams as a child, never spoke, just stood there, always in the background, and I never thought anything about it until that moment. I checked on my son and brought him back to my bed to sleep. A few days later, I was helping my mom go through some old photos she had been given from her family. She was raised by her aunt, and her family had been super secretive and possessive of photos and such. We were looking at a picture of a large family sitting around a long table. I recognized my mother's bio mom, my great aunt, great nana, and then... There he was. The man from my dreams and who woke me up, sitting there next to my great nana. Same look, same flannel shirt, pens in his pocket, and balding head. I pointed him out to my mom. It was her grandfather who had passed away when she was a young girl. She was his favorite and wasn't afraid to show it. I explained what had been happening all my life. He was always in the background of my dreams and never said a word until I had my night terror. There was no way I had ever seen a photo of him, and I had never met him in my life. I should really write about them. Tomorrow I'm going to smudge my aunt's house because her son heard laughing at night, and his room is freezing cold all the time. I knew from the very moment I stepped foot in the house that something was amiss with that end of the house. And I'm ending us off on kind of a doozy submitted three years ago. I died. I saw it. I lived it. Either it was another world with a version of me that died I saw, or I'm going crazy, but I died. We had a pep rally in school, and after it was finished, we had to go back to class. Well, my friend and I were not into that, so we wanted to go across the street to Sonic. Across the school, There is not heavy traffic, but if you don't pay attention, you could get hit. Well, I remember walking with him, and he dropped something, so I went across the street first. I just saw a red Tahoe heading right for me, and I got hit. I remember everything. I remember gasping for air. I remember waking up and sleeping again. Then, nothing. All of a sudden, 
I was back in the stadium again, and the exact same words came out of the principal's mouth. My friend wanted to go get Sonic, but I was freaking out. Was asking him everything. I thought it had to be a dream, so I just went with him, just to see what would happen. He dropped his stuff again, and I waited. To my horror, that same red Tahoe showed up. I told him that I'm going back to school. I ain't dying again. I can still see the other version of me on that street, just messed up, not even moving. Heck yes, had to end it off on something that could be associated with the quantum death theory. (laughs) Was it the last episode I introduced many of you to the quantum death theory because I got a lot of messages and saw a lot of things posted on social media about how I, um, I don't want to say ruined your lives, but most of you were pretty excited. It's kind of a comforting idea. Uh, If you haven't heard of the quantum death theory, go back to my last uh, dark reddit and I discuss it there, and sorry, I apologize for introducing this into your life if you're someone like me who takes these things very seriously. (laughs) All right, well, thank you so much for listening. Again, please go check out all the millions of things I've released. Go check out uh, Dormir or Morir. Go check out Historic Hangouts. Um, I've been having so much fun with Historic Hangouts. It's so different than anything I've done. It's so nice to just kind of sit and chat and um yeah talk about cool history stuff and uh get to be a little funnier than i am on this show (laughs) and go check out my interview with the zoning out podcast it was so much fun and i i don't know i'm just so stoked that anyone wants to ever interview me it feels very strange and very good (laughs) so you can follow the show on all the social medias at scary to sleep you can follow me personally at Shelby B. Scott. Uh, there's a big Facebook group you can join. We're almost at 5,000 people. If we haven't hit it already, we were very close last time I checked. Like literally like, I want to say 30 people away, something like that. So thank you for that. That's really awesome. Um, we're also uh, releasing a new podcast soon on the 1st. With uh, It's something I'm doing with Bloody FM and very excited about that. I don't know if I can talk about it yet. I already did on accident on a different show. And if you listen to that, then you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) My cat is peeking through me, peeking at me through the curtains right now. And she's being like, stupidly adorable, like ridiculously adorable. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, What else? Oh, yeah. If you would like to submit something to be on the show, if you want me to uh, do cool stuff, your words then send it to scary to sleep at gmail.com uh if you have any this is not for this show but i'm still trying to plug my new show and get it off the ground so i'm going to talk about historic hangouts again if you have a historic hangout like if you have anywhere cool near you that has some history it doesn't have to be like hollywood celebrities hung out there but just somewhere cool feel free to send it to me you can send it to scary to sleep and just let me know in the subject line that it's for historic hangouts or Historic Hangouts has all kinds of social media now. It's um, historichangoutspod at gmail.com. And funnily enough, all the handles <laughs> for social media are histhangpod because it, that was what was not taken and it was easy. I thought it would be fun to say on the show. And someone very <laughs> lovingly pointed out that you can also say it as his thang pod. So that's fun. 
Anyway, um, what? Oh, I didn't really. Did I bake this week? <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, I'm sure I did. I made some pudding yesterday, but it was just like instant pudding that you like whisk together with some milk. And uh, it's been a busy week. Uh, Monday, I came out with the Spanish version of the episode. I wrote an article for Bloody Disgusting about Dormir a Morir. And that was crazy because I think I've told you all Bloody Disgusting has been in my life since it was first created. It has been just a staple in my life for years and years and years now. And the fact that I got to write something, I mean, because it, it started as, you know, a website where, and it still is, it's an amazing hub for all kinds of horror news. And it, to have written something for it is super neat. So I'll probably be posting the link to that everywhere. I think it comes out tomorrow on Saturday, I believe. Um, so yeah, check that out. It's very exciting. I, I don't know. It felt weird. I didn't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Okay. <laughs> What else? I think that's all. I don't have much to ramble about. Sorry, the episode's a little late. Um, we had some last minute maintenance done on our apartment yesterday. Uh, <laughs> I won't even get into it. I could, I, I, I screamed about it already for too long to a friend of mine, but, um, yeah, we had some maintenance done and I couldn't work on my, I couldn't work on the show. And even tonight it's a little loud. So I apologize if you heard any children with skateboards in the background, because that's just, what I get for living in a city. <laughs> and yeah, okay, I'm gonna go go check out all the stuff. Uh, there's a grab bag of things I have to offer now <laughs> to you. So if you want to hear more of my voice, you have a few options. All right, go get some sleep. Oh, drink some water. Please drink water. Again, it's been so cold. And I've actually been pretty bad about staying hydrated. It's harder when it's cold. I have to admit it's been, it's harder for me anyway. I don't know if that's a universal thing, but I just forget because you're not sweating. You're not, I don't know, but go drink your water, go get some sleep and sweet dreams.